We're glad you chose to come here. You could go anywhere. We're glad you're here. We are honored by that. And so um, if, you're, if you're a guest, if you fill out the guest card that's in the seat back in front of you, we'd love to connect with you. We won't annoy you and try to sell you essential oils. Um, sorry. <laughs> I was just seeing if anyone was listening. Uh, <laughs> so also... Um, if you would like to become a member here, we haven't had a membership class in quite a while, actually. I think the last graduates were, I think, the, probably the Joneses. So it's been quite a while since we've had a class. Um, we're, we're trying to keep up with you. <laughs> see what I see? Yeah, I'm going to keep you on your toes today. <laughs> uh, anyway, so you, we have a membership roster back there. If you're like, I don't know if I went through the membership, if I'm on the roster. Well, there's a roster back there. This is really important information because next week we have a business meeting. We need to know who can legally vote for the things that are coming up. Um, we have like all four of our advisory board positions have, are open all at once. So we're re-electing or electing four board members new or re-electing uh, members that are currently serving. So that'll be next week. Um, but we want to know who can vote legally and all those things like that. So if your name's on the roster, great. If it's not and you want it to be, then you need to sign up for that. And then we'll follow up with you this week to let you know what else you need to do uh, to make that happen. Um, yeah, offering. I uh, just want to say these are all the ways to give. Thank you for giving. God's faithful. He's just. How many God's blessed you and been good to you? Three, three, even through the hard season right now. Like we're going through some finance. The whole world. It's not just a, a Western thing. The whole world is going through financial pains right now from, from things we had to do during COVID, things that were done during COVID. And, and we understand that it may take some time to get out of that. But, but God can bless us in the middle of a recession. He can bless us through inflation. Um, he can make us wise. We can put chicken coops in our backyard and have our own eggs. We can do all the stuff that, that God will give us wisdom. So we pray that he does that for you. Um, I want to do a, a, we just did a blessing, but I want to read this over um, our, our finances for our homes. And so if you just repeat this after me, this is what we're believing the Lord for. If there's a particular line that just hits home with you, say it louder. Um, it, it, it gets more points in heaven if you say it louder, I guess. But anyway, it's just a point of emphasis. So um, as we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for prosperity of spirit, soul, amen, a wealthy mindset, solutions to break poverty, amen to that, compassion for the rich, the poor, and the rich, <laughs> radical generosity, creative ideas to cultivate wealth, a desire and a resolve to leave an inheritance to my children's children, provision, wisdom, and security from God, our Father, Debts paid off, investments, inheritances, favor with bosses, companies, and clients, innovations and inventions, jobs, better jobs, raises, and bonuses. And we'll pause, and we're going to declare this blessing, all right? I choose to agree with God concerning wealth, prosperity, and stewardship. I believe God is generous and is a good provider. I was made in his image, so I am becoming like God through Jesus. Amen to that. So if you're giving in-house, we'll pass the buckets right now. Thank you for doing that. Um, you can just drop the envelope in there. Um, a couple of more announcements that we're going to get into the Word. The Lord, the Lord has a, a specific purpose for today, and we want to hit the bullseye. Uh, Shagoon set it up again. I, I think he sneaks into my Dropbox account and knows what I'm preaching on. I don't know. He does it every single time. Um, I mean, he even said Lord and Lordship. Like, that's exactly what I'm talking about today. But anyway, Wednesday nights, house of prayer. 
This is something we've started um, from 6.30 to 7.30. We invite you to come, bring your kids. I want to tell a really quick testimony. This last week was the, the, the most people we've had at our house of prayer, and there were probably as many kids as were adults. And it was really cool. And we were talking before church how sometimes when you're trying to do these spiritual disciplines and these things with kids, they have a different agenda. Their, their love language is just fun, right? And so they're having fun, and I was thinking about it, and, and there was a time when we were praying Wednesday, and you couldn't hear any of us adults because the kids were having way more fun than we were, right? And I was like, inside, I was like, no, we're not ever going to tell them to shh. We just need to pray louder because they're here in the presence of God. And, and sometimes we think that, that oh, I'm, the purpose of this moment with my kid is to read them the scripture and make sure they learn this message, but in the middle of it, they want to make jokes and make you laugh. Sometimes I think that's what God was wanting to happen. He was as interested in your kid making you laugh and bonding as he was for you getting that scriptural thing across. So that was a cool thing uh, Wednesday, and we're learning to become a house of prayer, so join us with that. Next Sunday, we have something really special. It's called The Table. Um, How many of us know when we go to heaven, we're going to a banquet? We're going to a giant wedding party. Everyone thinks of heaven, we think of judgment. Oh, I'm going to stand before God and find out if I'm on the list. And if I'm on the list, do I get any rewards? Did I do anything that was worth a reward? That's not all there is to this. We're going to a wedding, and there's going to be a banquet, and it's going to be beautiful, and he wants as many people to be there as possible. And so we want to, uh, we want to integrate the table as part of something we do regularly at Fire Life. So every fifth Sunday, we're, we're not going to have church like this. Next Sunday when you come in here, this place will be set up as a banquet. And we're going to sit together. We're going to have some refreshments. We're going to take communion together. And we're going to minister to one another's needs. You're going to pray over and prophesy over one another. And we're going to bond. And someone's going to tell funny jokes at an inappropriate time and make us laugh. And the Lord's going to be like, I wanted that to happen because you needed to laugh with that person. You needed to let your guard down with them. Like, so things are going to happen at the table. And um, I'm excited about it. I believe that we're going to see miracles break out sitting around the table. Um, not just like at, at a special service, but when you sit around your dinner table and when you sit at the table across from someone when you go out to eat with them. So next Sunday, we'll have the table. And then right after that, we'll have our annual business meeting. Um, we'll go through the, the budget and we'll elect our new board members for the next year. And I think that's it for all the announcements. Yeah, start time is normal. Thank you. Great question. Yes. Just come like you're coming to church at 1030 and we'll be starting at 1030. So I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll be here to pray early and stuff, too. So if you want to come, to, come before to pray, that'd be great, too. Um, so that's next week. Would you open your Bible to 1 Samuel 15? Why don't you just bow your heads and ask the Lord to speak to you today? Hmm. Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come speak to us today. Hmm. We know you have something very specific for every one of us. We ask that you would not let us leave without your purpose being prevail, uh, to prevailing in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 1 Samuel chapter 15, there's this really amazing story of, uh, of why one of the reasons why Saul um, was rejected as king of Israel. 
Now Saul was the best candidate to be king. He was the tallest. He was the most handsome. He was a warrior. He was amazing. And, and he was chosen to be king because he met all of the, the things that people like in a leader. They looked at him and thought, oh, he should lead us. But he missed some things in his heart. And he had some, he had some fear of man and some issues in his heart and a, and a, a lack of, of, of God being his Lord in his heart. And it would come out at different times in Saul's life. And this is probably one of the biggest ones. And so I'm going to read this because maybe not everyone's familiar with this with this account. I'm going to stop calling them stories because these are actual accounts of life. These are like, this is like reading a history book right now. This is historical fact. This really happened. Saul was really a king. Samuel was really a prophet. And this event actually happened. So in this account of this story, this is what happened. Samuel said to Saul, verse one, the Lord sent me to appoint you as king over his people and over Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the voice of the Lord. That was what Shagun was talking about, listening to the voice, being guided by the voice. And then Samuel begins to prophesy over him what the Lord said. This is what the Lord says. I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came out from Egypt. Now, Amalek was one of their enemies. They had many enemies. And this was one of them, and he ambushed Israel on the way out uh, uh, for deliverance. And he's saying, because of what they did here, I'm going to punish him for the way he treated my children, all right? And he says, now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have. What does it say in your Bible? Completely destroy, completely destroy everything that they own, everything. He even says to him, don't spare them, nothing. Kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child. Now, this is like, okay, you have to get into the mindset of God is a God of justice and vengeance, okay? Now, he's, he's God, okay? And he's telling them, this is what you're going to do to the enemy who hates you and would do this to you if he had the opportunity right now. So you're going to go after them. You're going to kill the oxen, the sheep, the camels, the donkeys. Don't leave anything. Wipe them out. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. Now, it's, it's important, and it's always, these aren't just thrown in there for, for no reason. The soldiers were 200,000, but there were 10,000 men of Judah, and the word Judah means praise. And in the Bible, when God would send Israel out to war, he would always send Judah first. The tribe of Judah would lead the procession into warfare, and he would lead with praise. Um, it would be like uh, you've seen in basketball games when a mascot or someone comes out to try to hype up the crowd or in a UFC fight, the, 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 they play this really threatening song like Here Comes the Boom. You've seen that movie? That's a funny movie. They play this real threatening, ominous song like you're about to enter the cage with the best fighter in the whole world and he's going to destroy you and defeat you and whoop you. That's what Judah did. They would go out in war and they would praise God. He's a God of justice. He's a God of vengeance. He's beaten all of his enemies. And they would sing this and it would be this ominous roar before the warfare would start telling the enemy what's about to happen to them. And this is a pretty cool story. And so, he said, and so Saul comes to the city of Amalek, and, and they lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the, the Kenites, the Kenites, go depart and get down from among the Amalekites unless I destroy you too. And he's warning, these guys aren't on the target. They're not on the radar. You guys get out of here. We're going to give you a chance to go away because we're about to completely destroy this, this nation, uh, this people. And, and he says, for you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from the Amalekites and Saul attacked the Amalekites. 
from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He took also Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. What does it say in your Bible? What did Samuel tell him God said to do? Kill every one of them. All of them. Not, don't take any hostages. Don't take anyone back. Destroy everything. Men, women, children, infants, oxen, sheep, dog, everyone. But Saul decided, I'm going to take him as a hostage, a, a prisoner of war, as a political hostage. And he took Agag. And he utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag. And then what did he do? He saved, oh, these are the best sheep. How could we kill them? God certainly didn't mean kill the best sheep. They're too pretty. What about the oxen? Oh, man, they would, they would take care. They would help us with our new fields that we're going to, you know, I've got, he probably has plans in his head. We're going to f- set up a new farm, and these would go perfectly on our new farms we're setting up. And he's thinking, and all the fatted calves and the lambs and all this stuff, and all that was good in his eyes, he was unwilling to destroy them. But everything that he despised and thought was worthless, they utterly destroyed. What do you think the problem was right there? So Shagun was talking about, is, is Jesus Lord? In this story, this is a perfect example of an issue of lordship. Because lordship means I don't, make, I don't call the shots. I surrender to the, to, the obey, uh, to the word that the Lord has given me. And in this situation, Saul put himself in the seat of God. And he began to judge for himself. Oh, well, these are too good to kill. And yeah, that's a, that one's, you know, that's a three-legged, you know, oxen over. He's worth nothing. Let's kill that one. Let's get rid of it, obviously. I don't know how it survived this long. So he would kill and take care of them because he began to weigh within his own heart what was valuable and what wasn't instead of obeying the voice of the Lord. And so here comes Samuel. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel and he said, I greatly regret that I have made you king. For you have turned, he has turned his back from following me, has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. And he cried out to the Lord. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, Samuel said, that Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. That's what, that's what it looks like when we're the Lord of our life. We begin to decide what we think we can and can't do, or what's worth something and what's not worth something, and we begin to set ourselves in the seat of authority of our lives, and we begin to direct our lives according to what we think is best, and sometimes it's not the same as what God says is best. And then when we're done with doing that, There is a thing that will come over us, and sometimes it feels like glory. Sometimes it feels like accomplishment. Sometimes it feels like an anointing that comes over us, and we're like, whoa, man, look how awesome I am. Look what I just did. How amazing. We we have all this new stuff that we took from this nation that mistreated us. We just took the best that they have. It's ours now. So he could probably even justify it say, just like when they left Egypt, they left with all the gold. Now we're leaving with all the good stuff that the Amalekites had brought together and, and, and amassed. And he began to set himself up in this place and worshiped himself. And he set up a monument for what he had done. And as he had gone around and passed by, he went down to Gilgal. And then Samuel went to Saul. 
and said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. Saul said this to Samuel. Oh, you're so blessed. Bless you, brother. You're such an amazing prophet. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He lies to the prophet. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel says to him, then what is the bleeding of sheep that I hear in my ears? And why do I hear the lowing of oxen in my ears? And Saul said, oh, they. Someone else's fault. They. They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people, the, the people they, the people, not me. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm the king and they do what I tell them to do. But they, the people, did this thing. They kept the best of the sheep and the oxen. But wait till you hear why. It's a really cool plan we have. We're going to sacrifice it to the Lord our God. Aren't we awesome? We're the, the, you see the monument we set up because of how cool our idea is to bless God? But we destroyed everything else that was worthless. And Samuel said to Saul, it says be quiet in here, but I don't think he said be quiet. I hear shut up. You shut your face when you're talking to me. <laughs> and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And Samuel said, well, tell me. Oof. Or Saul said, tell me. So Samuel said, when you were small and little in your own eyes, were you not chosen to be the head of all the tribes of Israel? In other words, when you were humble and when God was your Lord, he chose you of everyone to be the king of all the tribes of Israel. And you were the least. You were not the most significant. And he chose you. And did not the Lord anoint you to be king over Israel? And the Lord sent you on a mission. And he said, go and utterly destroy the, the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Listen to how sneaky it is when we have lordship wrong. We think it's a sacrifice before God, and God sees it as evil. I want that to sit in. We can do things that we think is unto the Lord and call it a sacrifice and set up monuments and pat ourselves on the back and think, well, look how close I've moved to God. Look how holy I am. Look how many good things I'm doing for him. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And we start judging ourselves, and we set up a monument for ourselves, and God looks down on all of it, and he goes, it's evil. That's a heavy word. Like we reserve word for evil like Hitler, Saddam Hussein, evil, child predators, evil, right? But God looks at the times where we take something that he told us to do and we manipulate it and bring it back to him in a new package and call it a sacrifice. He says, that's very evil. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I did go on the mission which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, king of Amalek. And I have utterly destroyed them. But the people, blaming it on someone else. But the people took the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord. What does he say there? What's it say in your Bible? 
Every other time, he said, the Lord our God. Did you, see, did you catch that? As you see it, verse 21. Everyone look at 21. You need to see this. To sacrifice to the Lord, what's it say? Your God. What happened to our God? Saul was his God. So now this is your God. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? In other words, does the Lord prefer sacrifices and burnt offerings more than he prefers just obeying his voice? And then he says this famous line. You've heard this verse probably many times, most of you. Behold, to obey. Why don't you say it with me? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to yield or to heed is better than the fat of rams. And then it connects it to the truth. The real source of evil in this story. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. What is witchcraft? It is manipulating anything outside of my control or within my control to bend it towards my benefit or towards my preference. And God calls that witchcraft. He calls that rebellion. And he says that stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. Stubbornness. Oh, I'm set in my ways. That's just the way we are. He says that that's idolatry. Ouch. I know this is heavy. This is like, this is like tw- you went back 20 years ago to the tabernacle. This is, this is, yeah, this is like my, I've heard my dad preach this message so many times. Like, I love this message. It wrecks me every time I hear it. But we don't hear a lot of this, and, and it does have a weight to it, and it's supposed to. And he says to Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. It's similar with Moses. Hey, Moses, speak to the rock. All right. I struck it last time. I'm going to strike it. He strikes it instead of speaking to it. And what did it cost him? God said to Moses, hey, because you disobeyed the word of the Lord here, you can't enter into the promised land. You will only see it with your eyes from afar. Wow. But Moses could have been like, have you seen my ledger of amazing things I've done? How can this one thing disqualify me? But when God tells us something, he's not messing around. It's not a suggestion. It's not open for a debate or a discussion or an argument. It's yes, sir. And then do it as full as to as full extent as we can. I obeyed to the fullest extent, God. I did everything you said. Hey, I just want to make sure. I don't know. I'm kind of questioning. Do I need to do this? Yeah, okay, thank you. I want to make sure I do it exactly right. Because to obey is better than any sacrifice I could bring God. Better than any change I could make to my life and say, hey, God, look what I did for you. And the Lord's like, you made it way more difficult than it had to be because this is really all I wanted from you was this thing. But you've made a list of things that you can never uphold. And then listen, Saul still didn't get it. You would think that right there, 
He would, like, when David was confronted by Samuel he, or Nathan the prophet, he falls and he rips his clothes and cries out to God in the moment. You would think that Saul, in this moment, when he's, you've been rejected as king, doesn't get much more, um, you know, much more harsh than that for him in that situation. He, he would have fallen, you would think he would have fallen on his face and repented, but he didn't. He said to Samuel, you're right, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the word uh, of the Lord and your words. He's still mixing, and Samuel was speaking God's words, not his own. Because I, f- I feared the people, and I obeyed their voice. And he says, pardon my sin. And he does, he repents. Return with me, that I may worship the Lord. Now, this is a really big deal. Because if, it would be like, I don't know how else to explain it. It would be like today in the, in the Catholic Church, if someone says, you are no longer allowed to take communion with the Catholic Church. You've been excommunicated. I don't know what the term is, but you cannot take communion with us anymore. It would be like that if, if Saul was not allowed to come and worship the Lord with the priests and, and come before the, the people would have known, okay, something's up. How come he doesn't get to take communion? How come he does not get to go and worship God? And so Saul is like, please forgive my sins and then let me come into this, this exercise of worship so that people will know that I'm still cool with God. A form of godliness, but I want to deny the power of it. But Samuel said, I will not return with you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king. And then listen to this. As Samuel turned away to go, what does Saul do? Saul grabs his robe and tears it. Which is symbolic in so many ways, but for today. So Samuel said to him, So as you've torn my robe, the Lord's torn the kingdom from your hand and has given it to a neighbor of yours. And then he drives the, oh man, Samuel did not mince words here. He's going to give the kingdom to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. (laughs) Prophets should just be nice. They should say nice things. No, sometimes we need him to drive the sword deep in the pride of our heart. And he will be the strength, the strength of Israel, will not lie or relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Then he said, I have sinned. Will you honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God? Will you please let me resign from office? Don't fire me from office. Because if I resign, it looks like, you know, it's me. But don't fire me in front of everyone. Don't do that. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring me Agag, the king of of the Amalekites. And so Agag came to him cautiously. (laughs) Like maybe he had a dream that something bad was going to happen to him. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag into pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. You think God's playing around? Hello, whole world. God is not to be mocked. He sits on his throne and he is God alone. 
and his prophets execute his justice. And Agag is ripped and torn to pieces in front of everyone as Samuel did the work of the Lord. The word of the Lord. He did it right in front of everyone. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house, and Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. That's it. You do not have access to the prophetic voice of God any longer. You have been removed from the kingdom. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he made Saul king of Israel. Heavy word, right? But it's about lordship. This is all about lordship. Man, I, I have way, much, way more. And I'm going to real quick. I don't know that we get lordship very well right now. I know I don't. Like, it's... it's it's the exact opposite thing that we want. Surrender, humility, not getting our way all the time, bowing our will, our passions. Like, I can totally understand why Saul would, would step into a place where I'm the king, I can do whatever I want. The king of my castle. I've I've been a good man, I've served the Lord. Surely I can start making some of my own decisions, right? I see how easy it is that we fall into the trap of thinking that we get to choose. But what we don't understand is that if Jesus is not our Lord, someone else is. I, oh, no, no, no. I'm a free agent. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the best offer out here. I have not made any lords. I have not chosen a lord yet. I'm a free agent on my own. There are no free agents. Either Jesus is the Lord or someone else is. Amen. And if Jesus isn't Lord, there are three other spiritual realms that fight for lordship. And the, the first one we think of, we think of Satan and the demons. And that's true. That's one of the three realms that will fight for lordship in our lives is Satan. He would love to sit on the throne of our heart. Do you know why he aims for our heart? Because that's where God's supposed to sit. And why did Satan fall? Because he said, I will ascend the hill of the Lord and I will sit on God's throne. So he sees us and he knows that God sits on the throne of our heart and he wants to sit there still. So yeah, obviously Satan is one of these spiritual realms that would love to be the Lord of our life and sit on the throne of our heart. But there's two more that are equally as dangerous as he is. And one of them is called worldliness. The world system is dangerous. This is where we fall under the political spirit, is under this worldliness. And we begin to think that God is democratic. And we begin to think that if we get enough votes, then God will do what we want him to do. And that's not how God works. 
and worldliness creeps into our mindset and the poverty mindset of the world and the, the, um, the impurity of the world begins to creep into our, our mindset. And it's the world system. And we would like to say, oh, well, Satan, Satan is the one. But worldliness is as dangerous as Satan is. Because the world system surrenders itself to the control of Satan. So the, the thinking of this world, that's why Romans, that's why Paul says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. It's worldliness. It's dangerous. It's, da- it's as dangerous for me to worry over bills as it is to do some sort of satanic incantation. You're like, oh, that doesn't make sense. It makes sense when you think of lordship. See, if the world system and the way the world thinks creeps into my mind and becomes the Lord of my life, then guess how I will think? Just like the world. Why has the church watered down the gospel and watered down what we know to be right and wrong? I mean, we've got churches all over ordaining people that are breaking the laws of God. I, I, I'm, I'll just tell you that we've got transvestite priests that are calling evil things good. And we look at that and we say, oh, that's so evil. Yeah, it is evil, but it's worldliness. Everywhere you look, there's a rainbow today and it has an agenda attached to it. That's worldliness. This poor hockey player is like, yeah, I just don't want to go out there with rainbows on my hockey stick and my jersey because I love Jesus. And they want to crucify him. Because the world says, yeah, you may not actually worship at the altar of Satan, but man, if you will worship at the altar of worldliness, it's just as good. Because you can't have the world as your Lord and Jesus as your Lord. And then there's the third one. So you got the devil, Satan, and then you've got the world system, and then you've got the flesh, our carnal desires that we have to crucify. This is where the religious system pops up, where we try to manipulate and form God into our image. And then we try to take, take desires and things that we, we think are good, and we try to elevate them. Oh, I'll have, I'll have a better idea than God did. I'll sacrifice it to him, and he'll think it's beautiful. No. If we try to save our life, guess what will happen? We will lose it. That's what religion is, trying to save our own life. It's as dangerous as the satanic occult. The religious system, the carnal system, the flesh is as dangerous as the world system and as of the cult. But in the church, we only look at the devil as a big bad, bad wolf and we don't think of our selfish ambitions and our jealousies and the things that creep up inside of us. We don't see them as evil as Satan himself and they are. And we don't see, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll put a little rainbow on my, on my social media page just to support people. We don't think that's a big deal. I'm not saying someone here does that. I'm just using it as an example. of Oh, I'm just, I just want them to know I love them. Oh, come on, dude, don't fall into the world system. We've, we have this talk a lot um, with, with my boys about the end times, you know, and we it's okay. It's not like, like I'm making it seem just every now and then we'll be in the car and we'll just be like, Hey man, 
Hey boys, I just want you to know, don't ever take a mark on your body that keeps you from buying or selling. Just telling you now, don't ever do it. Because they're already doing stuff like this in like European countries. They're chipping people already. I mean, I've read reports this like they're like, within the next five years, you will have a chip and you will that's how you will scan at the store. Like this stuff is here. And we think, oh, because we don't see the satanic occults, or we think, oh, it's, it's, it can't be close. Yeah, because worldliness and the, 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 the carnal flesh of, of people that should be Christians has not been put under control, and this thing is flourishing everywhere. And so I tell them, don't give them your voice at all. Don't let someone make you say something that's not true. Don't do it one time, because if you do it one time, you'll keep doing it. And before you know it, you will have a Lord. And it will not be Jesus. And guess what? This will probably cost many. It, we know it will. It will cost many believers their lives. It already does. We're like, oh, that, well, that's in, that's in China. Or that's in places in Africa where there's wars between Muslims and Christians. And, and that's over there where, where we don't ever hear about. No, it's real. People disappear all the time because they believe in Jesus. And we think because we're in America, oh, we're wise. We're in the West we're, we're logical about stuff. Yeah, we have a different demon than they do. It's religion and it's politics. And they're the Lord of our life here. And guess where they're leading us? Straight toward the Antichrist. This, all this climate agenda stuff is a world system trying to pull us into the thinking of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is not just a person. It's a spiritual atmosphere and a way of thinking so that anything that is against the lordship of Jesus is anti-Christ. Are you all okay? okay? Anything that is against the lordship of Jesus is anti-Christ. Oh, God can't heal anymore. That's an anti-Christ thought. Oh, God, we can't raise the dead. Anti-Christ thought. I want to get the extremes here. Oh, yeah, sacrificing children to, to Molech, yeah, that's, that's, that's evil. But so is me thinking that, that there are no longer prophets and apostles and, and, and these things from the Bible. That's just as evil. It's just as foolish. And the Lord wants to set us free because he, he wants to sit on the throne of our hearts. We, we cannot make the mistake of believing that Satan is more wicked than sin and worldliness. John, John Thompson, amen. Great teacher. This guy, man. I'm going to close this out. So if Jesus isn't Lord, then what we will do is we will hide. We will hide or we'll, we'll put a mask or something on. If we can't put on robes of righteousness, we'll put on some robe. We'll put something on. We will be marked by someone. And that's what Adam and Eve did, right? They hid. And hiding sin and hiding worldliness and hiding our desires is the very thing that invites the presence of the demonic, the carnal, the flesh, the worldliness, hiding stuff is the very thing that invites the atmosphere of the demonic. I know it's heavy, man. Ananias and Sapphira, they hid 
their agenda and lied to the Holy Spirit. And what happened to him? Well, your husband falls dead. They carry him out. She comes in, tells the same lie. Well, the same guys that just carried your husband out, they're on their way in the door right now. Boom, falls over dead. Why? Because you lied to the Holy Spirit. Jesus was not your Lord. There was another system operating in you, manifesting its lordship over you to the extent that it was dangerous to the move of God. And it says that the fear of the Lord gripped the believers. This is what I'm hoping will happen today. I'm hoping that the fear of the Lord, not fear, but that the fear of the Lord will take hold of us because we're not playing a game. This is not a game. Our sons and our daughters are on the line. They're on the auction block right now. And the world's like, I'll take them. I, I bet you will. And they are. They can't kill them in the womb. They start pumping them full of all kinds of medications and doing all kinds of crazy surgeries on them and all kinds of lies into their spirit. Sure, they want our kids. The world wants them. And then the church. Oh, we'll get them to think that when you get saved that everything's okay and that there's no war and we'll make it like, as long as you say the right things and you go to church and you do these things you'll be safe well do you feel safe honestly i don't feel safe i need jesus i, I don't feel safe i don't have this i don't got this I don't. I don't know how to guarantee that my sons follow the Lord. I don't know how. I need the Lord to help me. I don't know how to make sure in 60 years from now, if I'm still here, I'm prophesying. In 50, I forget how old I am. Let me do the math. But 40 years from now, <laughs> man, I'll be lucky to get 40 more in. That'd be, that'd be nice. Oh, that's not a fun thought. Why did you say that? <laughs> Okay, in 50 more years, I can't guarantee that I will love Jesus in 50 more years. I can't guarantee him that I'll walk off this stage and go to my son's soccer game this afternoon and still love Jesus. I can't promise that. I can pursue it. I can surrender to it, but I can't guarantee it. I can't swear by it. Like, oh, I'm saved. No, there is a world, there is flesh, and there's demonic activity after us that we need Jesus to be our savior and we need the Holy Spirit and we need Jesus to be the Lord of our life. James 4, 7 says, surrender to God. It's right there. Surrender to God. Here's the key to lordship. Surrender, submit, it says, to God. Surrender is more, oh, that's cute. I surrender to you, Jesus. Oh, I surrender. Oh. Submit. I submit all. Oh, that doesn't sound as fun. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Let's say it like this. Submit ourselves to God. Resist worldliness, and it will flee from you. So submit yourself to God. Resist the religious spirit and the flesh, and it will flee from you. Because he says that in every way that we were tempted, Jesus was tempted, and he was without sin. And it says that he is moved by the feelings of our infirmities and our insecurities. And it says that in every temptation, he will provide a way of escape. And he is the way of escape. Him being Lord, he knows how to get us out of stuff that we get ourselves into. And so Jesus wants to be the Lord. He wants to sit on the throne of our heart. And there's so much more to this.
Why don't you stand? Maybe we'll pick this up in February. I was t- telling uh, Jason before church, I was like, yeah, the week wasn't great. You know, it, it, was, it was busy. It was a lot of stuff going on. It was one of those weeks where I was kind of like, God, I just need you to pull me up in your lap and just tell me how awesome I am and just love on me and pat me on my back and make me feel better and comfort me. That's what I felt like I needed from God. And guess what I got from God all week long? Hey, son, let's go read James. <laughs> hey, why don't you read this where it talks about selfishness and jealousy and, and strife and Okay, that's what I got because the Lord's working on lordship. And so I would like for you just to just turn your heart towards him now. This is really important that we settle the issue of lordship. Again, if Jesus is not the Lord, someone else or something else is. So before we go on, let's just close our eyes. And I think we all can do this. let's Let's return. Even if we've been walking with him, let's turn to him, right? Let's make him the Lord of our life, right where you're at. Jesus. Yeah, be the Lord of my life. If he's not, make him the Lord now. Ask him, invite him. I submit to you, God. I am poor in spirit. I have nothing to bring to this negotiation. I have nothing to bring to this table. We submit to you. We resist the devil. We resist worldliness. We resist sin, the flesh. And we will walk with you through the way of escape. I'm going to ask Holy Spirit, I think all of us should ask Holy Spirit to examine us. Not just right now in this moment, because if this is, the, if this is all there is to our spiritual um, pressing into God, then we're going to be very weak. So what I'm asking is that through this week, that in this moment and the week following, that the Holy Spirit will come and turn the searchlight on and reveal whether Jesus is Lord or not, first of all, or areas where we have another system fighting for lordship, whether it's worldliness, the flesh, or the demonic activity. He will begin to reveal it to us, and we'll begin to submit those areas to him. This is painful. I'm not going to lie to you. The Lord, when the Lord does heart surgery, it's painful. It hurts when he uses the word to cut us, but it's like when Mandy had the C-section, the, the thing that was cutting her open, right, also was healing her. It was cauterizing the wound at the same time. That's the word of the Lord. It cuts us on the way in, but it heals us at the same time. So it's painful, but it's good for us. We need it. Bill Johnson says it like this. It's like the word of the Lord is like a sword sticking straight out. And Jesus is standing here, and we're standing there facing each other, and he has the sword of his word pointing straight at us, and then he says, come closer. And you're like, well, if I come closer, then that sword's going to, yeah, come closer. And then we come closer, and the sword of his word cuts, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. I can't judge the thoughts and attitudes of my heart, but the word of the Lord can. 
And so we need to come closer. So, so would you just do that? Would you lift your hands and say, we surrender to this process of coming closer, of letting your word cut us deep, of judging the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart, dividing what's soul and what's spirit, dividing what's worldliness and what's spiritual, dividing what's carnal and what's spiritual, what's demonic and what's spiritual, what's selfishness and what's, what's surrender. God, show us by your word through your written word and your spoken word that comes through your Holy Spirit, we ask that you would investigate us because we do not want to be the same because we cannot guarantee tomorrow for ourselves, but you can. You hold our days in your hand. We surrender to you. How many would say, yeah, I'll go on a journey? Yeah, yeah, I am. My hand's up. The Lord's doing some good things. And I love his discipline. How many feel that way? We have to kind of learn that love for his discipline, but I'm learning to love his discipline because the Bible says he disciplines those he loves. Like a good father disciplines his children. And so, Lord, we love your discipline. We love when you cut us open. Please don't stop. We will not grieve you. We will not quench you. Would you pray that, Holy Spirit? <laughs> I will not grieve you. I will not quench you. I'm learning to walk with the dove on my shoulder. Come on, say that. I'm learning to walk with the dove on my shoulder. I know I went, I went longer today. I, I felt like I needed to because I, could, I couldn't split this up and, and do the rest next week. So thank you for being patient. I pray that it ministers to you. If it was a lot of information, I know it was. So if it was more, go back and re-listen to it. Take the notes. Ask the Holy Spirit to listen back with you to go through it or watch it back uh, on the social media. Um, and if you need prayer for anything else, just come here to the front. We want to lay hands and pray over you. If you're sick, if you're struggling, if, you're, if, you ha- if there's a weakness that you're battling and you need someone to stand in with you, um, would you please just uh, come to the front? We'll pray for you. Thank you for being here. We bless you. Again, if you need to be a member or want to be a member, sign up on the way out. And, and um, yeah, just Holy Spirit, go with us. Yeah,